You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello, and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 39, and we're recording on November 9th, 2014. I'm Mayor Wilson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and partners in crime, Paul Ellis and Katie Brisky. Hey, hey, Paul and Katie. How are you today, Paul? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Mayor. Uh, Katie, how about you? I'm really excited for this show. Uh, Listeners, each Myth Behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer... Publisher, agent, editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. Uh, But before we get into that, is anything exciting going on with you guys? Yeah, I just got out that series. I think we talked about that last time a little bit. Nothing new. Um, Doing lots of events, lots of Facebook takeovers and stuff like that. So just out there trudging the boards and, uh, well, revising book three. Other than that, reading Lots of reading. (laughs) Well, that's always a good thing. I actually kind of, well, really exciting for me anyway. I filmed some footage for a possible book trailer uh, because basically for my Victorian dark fantasy-ish novel, I shamelessly stole the Living History Museum at which I work. And the novel is set in the autumn. And right now the village looks perfect. But I realized it's not going to be autumn for very much longer. So I don't know if I would actually do anything with the footage I would like to, but I figured it was probably better to just get it done than wait for another year for the leaves to change again and for it to look right. Uh, So grabbed my pal and partner in crime, kind of told my boss what we were up to, but not really, and came (laughs) in and shot stuff. Um, Yeah, so that that was my week. How about you, Paul? Uh, well, I've been in the throes of Nano and uh, slowly slipping behind and trying to keep my work counts up. Kane Dorr, who runs uh, several podcasts, uh, I think last time we spoke about my being in the Dark Justice podcast, he has roped me into the City Newsnet podcast, and uh, all because I uh, have got a background in broadcast journalism. So it all sounds like 60-second to two-minute news bites, uh, basically promotion for upcoming adventures, or uh, I think we've actually, I've cut several for Novellus Reed. So uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a long time since I've actually put that news at 10 type of thing going into, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, you both sound like you've been having a lot more fun than me because I'm still sick, so. Oh, it's been a long time, eh? Uh, yeah, it has. A couple weeks now, so three weeks, so. But in spite of it, I'm having a good time with everything I've been reading. Good. Pump up the vitamin C, I guess. Shh. Be very quiet when hunting books in the library of a misbehavior. And that means it's time for something from the Library of a Misbehavior. Today we're discussing Phoenix Rising and the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences by Pip Ballantyne and T. Morris. Now, anybody who's heard this show before knows how much I love steampunk. Well, this is steampunk CSI with hijinks. It's witty, it's fast-paced, and it introduces us to that Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Now, this is a secret organization formed to protect the British Empire from strange occurrences of all kinds. And we have Eliza D. Braun, who's been recently reassigned to the Ministry Archives. And, oh, this lady is so much fun. We first meet her with double-fisted dynamite and guns and knives and everything else and she is such a fabulous fabulous heroine and she gets into trouble because all the dynamite she throws and so they dump her down into the archives with her new partner wellington thornhill books who is just absolutely one of the most delightful heroes i've read in a long time so i highly recommend these books there's a a nefarious plot going on and all sorts of exciting exciting things in this book Well, anyone who has ever heard me on a podcast ever knows how much I love these books. So for me, when we're looking for more authors, it's like, I know some. Um, Yeah, I love the ministry. I loved them even before I met T and Pip. Uh, For me, it is, it's a really fun blend of humor, because it is very witty writing a lot of the time. Um, And there's dark elements too, though, and it's that balance and that interplay between the two, I think, that keeps me hooked. 
Um, and I especially love the characterization. You mentioned that Eliza is a really brilliant heroine. Um, I, I think she is my favorite of the two. It is so hard to pick, but if I had to, I, I can't say no to a Kiwi with dynamite. I'm going to take the opposite side on that myself. While I, I love Liza, I do. I, she is, And I, I love Wellington. It's, it's hard. Yeah, she is absolutely fantastic. When I was taking a look at these books, well, my oldest at the time said, uh, do you mind if I read that, Dad? And I said, no, I'll go right ahead. And, and she did. And she picked up on that immediately. She's been watching Mythbusters with me, and she's like, when in doubt, it's dynamite as far as Eliza's concerned. So that, <laughs> that was uh, one of the things that she hooked into it immediately. And I actually met Pippin T through my oldest. She was rolling off to school, and I asked them to, to sign a book for her, and they, they did. They're very gracious people. And I think in the interest of full disclosure, they're personal friends of Katie and, and mine. Uh, we're really glad to have them today. Uh, so guys, waiting so patiently in the background, thank you for joining us. Um, as Paul mentioned, they are dear friends. I actually interned with them earlier this year, and I'm just really glad to be able to talk to you guys again. It's been so long. God, we miss our intern. <laughs> oh, oh, we miss you. our intern. We got so much stuff done with you here. <laughs> it's all downhill. And now that. we're just like slogging through mud and... Uh, I'm a and, young and innocent and Canadian, but I just crack the whip. <laughs> yeah, Sonic Boom, Sonic Boom's like, when's Katie coming back? And I'm like, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. Well, oh. clearly, you guys just need to come back to Canada. <laughs> that was that was a fun that was a fun trip. We did uh, since we're, since we're all disclosuring ourselves, um, <laughs> we uh, we actually took a, a one of two close back-to-back uh family vacations we we went up to we went up to toronto and had a lovely time with uh with miss katie and and, and friends first time i've been to canada yeah yeah actually and and uh and oh, oh you talk about steampunk uh we're we're working on a um i should rephrase that i'm working on a review for the ministry of peculiar occurrences website which is ministry of peculiar occurrences.com and uh we are we are writing up a um a review of curious which is the latest show from Cirque du Soleil. It happened to be opening the weekend we were there, and it's steampunk. It's all steampunk. What did you think of the show, Pip? It was great. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank God she's better in, in print than she is in, uh, in interviews. No, it was good. It was good, and Canada was very fun, and it was great to see where Katie works. Yeah, yeah. Which... Yeah. I have been wanting to do a steampunk event there for so long. Oh, yes. It That'd streams out for that. When, when I take over, we will do that. There we yes. go. Sounds yes. good to us. Make it soon. Make it soon, intern. And Make then it we soon. Can, no, then we can be her minions. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I'm on an episode of The Shared Desk now. <laughs> <laughs> they take over wherever they go. It's I, fine. <laughs> got to get back on track with that. <laughs> <laughs> A subtle hint, like a free falling anvil. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know. We we know it's been it's been deadlines, 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 and more deadlines. We are really glad to have you guys here today. I'm not not as much as Katie is, but I'm still glad to have you guys <laughs> on. Standard question: What got you both into writing? I read all my dad's books. I got to the end, so I was forced to write my own. Uh, and I just I. I don't know. I, I guess it was my dad reading Tolkien to me as a bedtime story. It was where it all started. I totally blame him for that. As far as I'm concerned, I, I, I read uh, voraciously in middle school and high school, and then I started getting into theater. So I stepped away from reading books and started reading a lot of scripts. And uh, through it all, I've been writing. Uh, through it all. And, and honestly, it was while I was uh, working at the Maryland Renaissance Festival that I stumbled upon the character of Rafe Rafton and wrote my first book with uh, a delightful young lady named Lisa Lee. And the two of us uh, launched my writing career. Uh, I thought it was going to be us, but she decided to go into, into a different direction as, as uh, young people are often want to do. And I actually stepped away from being an actor and, uh, and, and found myself in the, in the throes of a professional writing career. So it's been it's been really a um, a, a unexpected trip, but a, a fun one. One that I I'm I'm still discovering new things about it, and I still tend to get my acting fix with podcasting. Of truth and mythery. Of truth and mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief, and we examine whether it's true or just another myth. 
Pippin T, please join us on discussing this. When you collaborate, it's less work than going solo. Full disclosure, uh, I specifically uh, chose this question so that you guys could say, um. Uh, <laughs> in some ways it is because you can get out more words more efficiently. There, there is that. There is but that. You also, the, and you also have ideas to bounce off yeah. of. So you can take you, you, the plot development isn't as taxing because you're working with two people. As but on the one. other hand, if your co-conspirator <laughs> takes an unexpected turn, then you have Things to get spend some time discussing stuff. So usually involves a rolling pin and and, yeah, and someone and getting beaten. Yeah, so there's that. there's that. But also the editing process can take longer. I feel like because both yeah. of you have to go over it. And and we're working on the same file. Yes. Mm-hmm. See, so 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 this was the weird bit. The um the editorial process for Phoenix Rising uh, was actually pretty smooth, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was pretty smooth. Um, the writing was a, was a bit of a challenge because at that time Pip was still living in New Zealand. Oh, we were at our most efficient then. Though. Yeah, yeah, but we, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. We were at our most efficient because whenever I was asleep, Pip was awake, and and, and we were writing or we were editing. The only time editing got a little a little twitchy was when uh, was when the publisher asked us to uh, use yeah, a red pen. Use use actually actual an actual physical an, an, an actual pen. physical red pen, and that kind of slowed production down a wee bit because oh, I, I had can to, imagine yeah i had to transcribe all of pip's changes and then go back and then put in my changes you didn't need sleep i know um so but but we but we made it work it was when pip got into this hemisphere that things got complicated we still were able to to produce really well but not as efficiently because we were all we were both sleeping at the same time now then came editing, and we were working on the same file at the same time, and that also got a little dicey. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it, it really depends on the setting, and it depends on how efficient you are in coordinating with your, with your partner. I think now, uh, especially with the end of book four uh, and the edits that we're dealing with there, we now have it down to a system. We have it down to a science, and, and it's been... I think we've got better at it, obviously. We have. We have gotten better at it. Uh, the one thing I did notice was that was the comfort level of characters. When we first wrote Phoenix Rising, Pip wrote s- exclusively for Eliza. I wrote exclusively for Wellington, and then we kind of flipped a coin on who was going to do. Uh, it was it basically interludes. who got to it first? Yeah, who yeah. wrote like the Sophia yeah. interludes and stuff? But, but then, now, yeah, now we we just okay. I'm up to this bit. I'm writing Wellington scene, or yeah. you're writing Sophia. You know, I'm writing Sophia. No, yeah. I'm writing Sophia. No, I'm writing <laughs> Sophia. You do still argue about that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, we've got a lot more comfortable with the uh, the other characters and the characters in general. One thing I will say though is is that we we still have, and this is I think what I think is part of um, why I enjoy writing in this series so much with Pip. Uh, apart from the fact that I, I'm madly in love with her, is that <laughs> is that um, is that we still managed to surprise each other. Uh, there, was a, there was a chapter that Pip wrote that I did not see coming in, uh, in, in, the, in the upcoming book, The Diamond Conspiracy. And good Lord, did Pip bring on the creep. I mean, this is just... <laughs> Sorry, that surprised is, you? It, it did. It did because I, I did not see it coming. And, and when Pip turns on the creepy, it's, it's like American Horror Story style <laughs> creepy, okay? The creep surprised you. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, okay, and, and well, what the reason why it surprised me is I just, I, I she, she just said, well, I want to write this scene. And I was like, all right, and I didn't think twice about it. I just figured it was going to be one of those scenes where you know more the pl- the plot thickens kind of thing. But then Pip just took this weird right turn that I did not. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't see this. And when you get to the chapter, you're gonna be like, oh, hello. It's just a little detail that I was like, where'd that come from? And Pip was like, I just went with it. And. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, but that's the that's the nice thing about collaborating is is surprising, you know, using another brain. Yeah, yeah, you can bring out surprises and and stuff like that. And I mean, there are a lot of advantages, like especially the some of our favorite bits are when we're just sitting around doing the dialogue. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually uh, Paul Herring and I have been well have now co-written a thing that Ooh, you're not thanks. supposed to know about yet. But we actually, we did it kind of interestingly. We worked over Skype and we had a shared Google Doc. So we were actually writing it together, Ooh. Wow. which was really fun because as you say, you can get into the dialogue and going back and forth with it. Um, I, all I will say is Quebec. Um, but we had 
a ton of fun with that, but it was really hard in some ways because we were doing it together. Just scheduling, it took so long to get this thing done. Because we'd have like a writing night set up and then like, oh, sorry, I have to work later. Oh, I'm hanging out with the boy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot more work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Finding, um, finding, that, that's why, uh, you know, I just decided to marry T. Just, you know, <laughs> just to um, make things easier. You I don't think, have to take that route. But uh, I, I was going to say, I think the boy would object. Probably. ran off yes. to the States and married PC Harris. <laughs> Love him. But. <laughs> That's true. His girlfriend might also object. But you know what? Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it for everybody, but it's worked okay for us. Now, y'all aren't just collaborating with each other. Y'all are collaborating with a group of other writers in your Tales from the Archives as well, correct? Oh, I think we've lost count of how many people we've collaborated <laughs> with. That sounds rude. I know. <laughs> it's I know. just so many. It, it, it really, I can't it, count anymore. <laughs> we, we were actually talking about this with our agent over the weekend. Uh, it was just... Uh, if if there's any if you could actually say yeah this this whole universe got away with from, from us but in a really good way it it's this I I mean we we when we started Phoenix Rising back in 2010 that's really oh actually no we started developing this idea back in 2009 no eight. 2008. That's right. Well, it started as a podcast for pay experiment where I didn't want to do half the work. I right. Didn't, I didn't want to do all the work. Um, and now it's just evolved into literally over fifty short stories set in the universe. Um, you've got uh, you've got you've game. got a role playing game. You've got a standalone anthology. You've got uh, three seasons of Tales from the Archives. It, it's it's you've got a tentacle award. I got a tentacle. Well, that, that that's that that has nothing to do with the actual collaboration with all these other but artists. It's a but it's good to bring up. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, because because tentacles, but uh, the 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 amount that everyone has, and that I, I really think that's kind of what the diamond conspiracy became, was not just the way I've been describing it to people is that it's uh, it's it's the born identity of the series. Yeah, uh, we go we 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 not only incorporate a lot of spycraft, we go dark, we go very very dark in in uh, in in the diamond conspiracy, but there are also points where we do make the diamond conspiracy a love letter. To, yeah, to to everyone who has collaborated with us, um, there are there are I nods. Think there'll be lots of lots of little squeals from people. Who yeah, are like oh, yeah. There are a lot of nods. There's a nod to Moose. Yeah, there is a nod to Moose. It got in there. It <laughs> did. It did get in there. Uh, there. Uh, uh, we um we we even brought in um yeah. There we go. Uh yeah. We, so so Moose got in there. Um, and then we just we just we 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 picked a couple of our favorite characters and we we started we started giving them uh you know stuff it's, to do. It's been really a lot. Uh, it's going to be a lot of thank yous at the front of that book. A lot of thank yous and definitely most most definitely uh, just we're, we're hoping it's going to be the the wildest of rides so far uh, in the in the series. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot. Of uh, fun. Just side note for people uh, who may not have listened to Tales from the Archives, uh, Moose actually is the Quebec branch of the Ministry. Uh, le ministère officiel de Currence sans explication. Yes. Which, Did we work which, out how to get a squirrel in? No, we haven't figured out a squirrel, but I think <laughs> that might... Paul, at some Paul point, he, he figured out a way, I think, um, but I'm not sure if he did anything with it. Oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it's... I mean, it's just fun to have our friends play in our sandbox. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and we've been... We, we've been we've been um, we've we've been firm but fair in in some directions that people have taken taken our universe. Uh, some people have been like, yeah, that's great. We, other people go, well, tie ho. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that is not the way. Well, we, especially we when when we've got ideas of what's happening in future books, we've got to that's make sure been, that people don't stand yeah. on oh, the stuff. I, I can speak to that from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had Precisely. to. Yeah, we we. It's no. not that we're mean. Spoilers, we are mean. We spoilers, are mean. sweetie. We are mean. We're, 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 we're ruthless, but then we buy beer to say we're sorry and everybody's happy. So, yeah. Well, because it's beer. Um, I think one of my favorite memories of the ministry was when I was reading the arc of Dawn's Early Light sitting on your couch. And then I got to this scene, which I can't spoil. Um, but suffice it to say, I looked up at Pip and said, you had Edison do what? <laughs> and she just flashed me this very innocent smile and I kept going. Um, but this is something you see a lot in the ministry is history interweaving in very interesting ways. Yeah. And I am a historian by training. Um, so that, again, another reason why I find myself really drawn to the world. Uh, so guys, how do you balance this historical, I'm not going to say accuracy, actually, this history yeah. no, no, no. Uh, with some of the creativity? Well, there is some accuracy and there is some creativity yeah, in it. Yeah. Um, 
to us, the story is important. So if we need to twist the facts slightly, then we do. Uh, the prime example of which is uh, in the Janus Affair, uh, Kate Shepard, who is the preeminent suffragette of New Zealand, has a son who, it's not much of a spoiler, but Eliza has sort of a, had a thing with. Now, in real life at that date, uh, Kate Shepard's son would have been 13. So we decided to yeah. push the date yeah. back a little bit. Yeah. We made him a little older than that. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. And, and the funny thing was that somebody was like, you know, took us to task. They were like, you know, Kate Shepard's uh, son was only 13. And, I was and like, you were like, yes. Yes. We did know, actually. And we. <laughs> advanced his age and guess what we also know that kate shepherd wasn't involved in a freak accident <laughs> that took out her you know her jaw and took out her arm to make it robotic in one point we know this it's <laughs> called steampunk get over it she didn't fly an airship to london i think i think somebody said this best uh with um uh, uh so interstellar just came out and don't worry track with me i'm going with this uh, they, they, um, it just came out at this recording and uh and someone on chuck Wendig's feed on Facebook basically said, you know, people are giving it uh, a lot of crap because of its scientific accuracy. Guys, it's science fiction. They go through a wormhole. It's not an episode of through the wormhole, okay? <laughs> and that's the difference, you know? So we have to do that. We have to take liberties with history because this is an alternate history that we're, that we're playing around with. And it's been real funny you bring that up, Katie, because um, what some people have praised us for some people have also taken us to task on. A lot of people have, uh, I shouldn't should say a lot of people, a couple of people uh, on, on Amazon and elsewhere have been critical of how many inventors we had appear in Dawn's Early Light. But the truth of the matter was, is, as Pip likes to say, you couldn't spit and not hit an inventor around this time. Yeah. And then on top of that, you had to, you had to realize that these inventors, if, if, if they're in this world, they're going to be working on something different. They're going to be work not doing what they got famous for. For example, we have a cameo from the Wright brothers uh, in, in, in Dawn's Early Light. And it was, it was appropriate because we were in the Outer Banks. And the Outer Banks is famous for the Wright brothers, for what they did there, and, and for all the research they did. But I, I remember thinking to, and saying to Pip, you know, we can't really have them, you know, achieving flight because that's kind of passe right now. And I said, oh, I know what we're going to have them do. And people was like, what? And I said, they're going to want to go to the moon. <laughs> they're going to want to go to the friggin' moon. So, I, so we had them basically doing Goddard's experiments. So the question is, what's Goddard working on? Who knows? We, we haven't got to that. We haven't gotten him yet. I look forward but, to that book. <laughs> but but that, was, that was really a lot of fun, uh, you know, basically taking history and, and, and moving it forward. And, or and, twisting it. And twisting it a bit. But then you get the other things about history that – um, you don't have to tweak at all. You just you do some research on Edison. You do some research on Tesla, and it's been it was one of the highest compliments. I think Paul actually made it. One of the highest compliments we've received on the book is when people say they don't sugarcoat Tesla and they don't turn Edison into a mustache twirling villain. They really get deep into these these characters' psyche, into these these personalities. I think that's the best bit about yeah. it is when you're doing like a historical character is to look at what sort of person they actually were. Like, you know, Kate Shepard was pretty damn awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and Tesla was a, a crazy madcap genius who actually hurt a lot of people's feelings yeah. very yeah. often. So question though, historian over here, uh, so are you going to primary sources for that? Or how um, are you getting the research we actually, on that? Well, we actually read Tesla's um, notes. Well, it was his biography. It, it, I guess. It, it was his. It was his notes and uh, and essays. There were yeah, essays and like notes where he talked about his yeah. entire life. I oh, mean, it's, it's from Tesla. Yeah, and his personality comes screaming through in those yeah. essays. Oh yeah. Really oh does. yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then you you know with Edison there was a there, there was a lot of, uh, of 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 different different bios that we read. You know, people who were saying he was a genius. Other people saying he was a he was a showman before he was a before he was an I think innovator. He was all of those things. He was people yeah are complicated. yeah, and that, that was and then and then you, you know what I really believe now is is like the prime source now for great things to play around with. Watch on history on H two on the history on, on the History Channel's H two, ten things you didn't know about, hosted by Henry Rollins. I freaking this this show is fodder 
for anyone who's working in historical, oh, yeah, historical take realm. It, take it and run with wow. it. Wow. I mean, just great stuff. Oh, and, great the, stuff. and in the Diamond Conspiracy, I guess the main historical figure we deal with is Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria, yeah. Which yeah. is, she was also interesting. She was, <laughs> a, she was a character, for she was sure. A compli- That's a good way of putting it. A complicated it. lady. A complicated, a complicated lady. Complicated lady. I have so many historical anecdotes I could re- relate about Queen Victoria, but I feel like I'm going to have to save that for another podcast, or we will be here till midnight. There we go. <laughs> it's time for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. It's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Pip and T, what would you consider the most important tip for someone who wants to write in the steampunk genre? In the steampunk genre, well, uh, hooking it back up to our previous comment, I would say read a lot of history. Read a lot of not just stuff about lords and ladies, but about people who live on the street, people who have regular jobs, because that's also very fascinating, especially when we were writing about the Ministry 7, about lives of street children and, mm-hmm. and things like that. It's it's great stuff for sparking imagination. I also think uh, uh, a bit of advice when it comes to steampunk is don't be afraid of technology you create. I, I, I sometimes find that some of the steampunk that's out there tends to be they, – they, they tend to be um, uh, uh, on the surface. You know, you see an automaton. You see an airship. You see a gadget. But you don't see – how people are interacting with it. You don't really see how people, how, how people go into a strange sort of strange sort of, uh, um, you don't see them interacting with it. And I think that, I think that, that sort of, that sort of technology and its effect on society is something that, that, uh, that, that you should explore. So really looking at the ripple effect of everything yes. you're putting in. Yes. Yeah, which actually relates to a lot of the history. Uh, I know I do, I do in my day job that almost contextual history so looking at the society as a whole, which is really cool. Um, so I was lucky enough. I have seen you guys write, and I have <laughs> seen just the joy that comes with it. Uh, but again, steered into question, uh, what do you guys love most about what you do? Oh. <sighs> I know feels. I know um, feels. Okay, uh, for, for me, it's the editing process. And I'm, I know there's going to be some writers that, that will flinch at that, but I absolutely adore the write, the editing process because that's where – that's where that's where you you start to trim off the fat. That's where you start to dig a little deeper, and and you start playing around with the nuances of dialogue and of characters. And I think some of the best stuff that Pip and I write comes out during the editorial process, as opposed to the actual writing itself. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, did he take yours, Pip? No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> well, mine is. I I love falling in love with characters. I like finding out about the characters. I like filling in the, all their nooks and crannies and working out where their flaws and their weaknesses are and um, then hurting them. <laughs> yeah, you like that. I like hurting them. Get spanking? Come on, I can worse than that. Again, have you read her stuff? It's, yes. <laughs> I bury them alive. Come on. Literally. Yeah, you you think she's joking, but she's not. That's um, I know, I know. It's I one of the it. best actions that I've heard. I, I like to fall in love with characters and then hurt them. <laughs> she she's such a lovely, warm, sweet woman. Then you read the things that she does to these people. Why do you think I sleep with one eye open? <laughs> Gripping oh, your pillow tight. Yeah, yes. I can honestly say we've never had that answer on this show before. Pip. <laughs> Yay. That's a great answer. I love, so I'm sitting here nodding with the oh the characters because I'm all about characters too. So um, I'm not so sure I love hurting them though. <laughs> if there is something satisfying about it, I can kind of see where it's coming from. Well, well think, some of think, them I like hurting, just I not sh- my hero and heroine. Should explain before it sounds too horrible <laughs> that I think that uh, a character under stress and torment. That's when you really get to see what they're made of. Well, is there anything about the writing process that you don't like? Well, I'm going to take T's answer. I I am not the biggest fan of the editing process. I mean, I I know that it's required and I know that it, it produces the finer object at the end. But sometimes it can be a little frustrating, especially when you're like, okay, I've fixed this thing. And then you get a bit further down the book and you're like, oh, there it is again. My first edit, I actually cried physical tears. So um, I'm sure my characters enjoyed me hurting at that particular <laughs> point. 
But uh, sometimes it can be a bit of a, just a slog, you know, you feel like, this. you know, after about the third time it's come back, you're just like, this thing? I think um, Winston Churchill said something about, you know, first you fall in love with it and then you, you know, and then at the end you just throw it away because you're just <laughs> so annoyed with it. But then again, when, when it comes out in print, you love it again. So, editing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what, do I, what do I hate the most about the writing process? Uh, um, you know, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. Because I think what I don't like—you love it all. I do love it all. It's the it's the business aspect of writing that I sometimes get a little 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 um, like about doing all the marketing and d- stuff. the marketing the the the, the numbers and um, and then some of the politics involved with with, uh, with with writing and what I mean by the politics is like for example you don't want to bite the hand at Goodreads you really don't but it really does irk me when when readers use the rating system as oh, yeah. as as a method of of priority on what they're going to read next mm. and 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 the reason I, I the reason that really irks me and I'm probably I'm probably daring the 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 wrath of the goodreads gods but I find it to be a bit ignorant of people who are of well-read people doing this because what they don't realize is that the marketing people at publishing companies look at these and they go, oh, wow, that's a pretty low score for, uh, for, for Team Morris and Pitt Ballantyne. Maybe we shouldn't sign them on. And then they go, I love these books. Why aren't they getting more contracts? Well, maybe it's because you put us on the low totem pole of priority reading and you're giving us, you're slapping, uh, you're slapping reviews uh, on there. Yeah, that was funny when, when uh, like the uh, Dawn's Early Light hadn't was not going to come out for another six it, months. It, yeah. I'm like, how are you rating this? Yeah, how are you rating this? And why are you giving it three stars? I mean, we're still editing it. Come on. <laughs> Give us a break. And, and I, I felt like they were looking over our shoulders. I was going to say, I don't know if you us. want to answer that question. <laughs> Judging us. Uh, yeah, I know. And so it's that kind of, it's that that type of thing that I, I have a low tolerance for. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, and that's something that we often forget about is still being part of the writing process, really. Yeah. And 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 there was a there was a great quote from uh, from from a friend of ours, Jenna Oliver. Uh, she um she she said, uh, yeah, she said to us that there are some people that that don't want to read a series until it's done, until it's completely done. And the problem with that with that uh, mindset of how I'm going to read a series until it's done is that if you don't read the series as it's coming out, the publisher is going to go, well, this series isn't selling. So there's and, not going to be And then it will selling. be done. And then it's done, it, right. Yeah, exactly. It's done. So you could be reading the series going, oh, wow, they could have kept going. Yeah, they could have kept going, Sparky, but they didn't because you weren't buying the books as they came out. So yeah, it's, that's what I mean by the politics of reading. It's a, it, and, and with the, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's what, uh, what grates at me a little bit. But, but, I, but as far as the process itself, uh, no, nah, the, the rest of it's great. Do you guys consider yourselves pantsers or planners when it comes to putting a story pantsers. together? Pantsers. Total pantsers. I am not a total pantser. You are a total pantser. I am not. I'm a discovery writer. You're a pantser. <laughs> Look, if Elizabeth Moon says I'm a discovery writer. You liar, liar, pants on freaking fire. You are pantser a pantser. Pantser on fire. So, pantser on fire. So tell me, what's the difference between a pantser and a discovery writer? Well, oh, I can't wait to hear this. Okay, <laughs> so a pantser doesn't know where it's going, what's going to happen. Where the ending is, nothing. Okay. So they're so discovering dis- it as they go along. A discovery writer. This is how Elizabeth Moon described it to me. I'm dropping a name, T. Mm. Take it. It's a, it's a good name. She said, it's like knowing that I'm driving from D.C. to New York. I don't know exactly which roads I'm going to take, but I know where I'm going to end up, which is generally what I we have, T, in mind. The final scene of any Ministry of Peculiar Occurrence. And you book. see, I define that as a pantser. No, the, the, not. The, 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 that's it's not between a, no. I, I I describe your discovery writer as a pantser. What you described as a pantser, I describe as a hack. Um, <laughs> you know, I, those are the people that basically go, "I have an idea for a book," and they start writing, not knowing where the heck they're going. And then they go, "I've got it," and I'm going to go ahead and publish it. And then they just throw it out there. Um, they throw it out there in the in the ebook realm. And to me, yeah, you got to even even pantsers have a plan even pantsers even have a, a plan it was just a vague idea of yeah. where they're gonna go yeah and it might, and it might change right but yeah but my, I, I don't know T, i think that's kind of harsh <laughs> he is harsh I'm, I, I'm, yeah i am firm but fair no he's not well <laughs> i'm i'm with t on this one because 
I'm, I consider myself a pantser, a total pantser, but I know exactly where my book is going to end. I don't know how I'm going to get there. No, no clue. And my characters surprise me, right. but I know so, where I'm going to end up. And so far, everything I've written has ended where I thought it was going to, I think, with the exception of one, one of the novelettes went a completely different route. But the, the books themselves have ended where I thought they were going to. Yeah, I don't know how any writer can actually start off without having at least a vague idea of the scene, you know, the last scene and where their characters are actually going to end up. Yeah, it's quite paralyzing sometimes to look at that blank page, which is yes, why I like to fun. I like to plan things. It's yeah. slightly neurotic that way. Um, so if you are working on, uh, well, I know you're working on the Diamond Conspiracy, and I know you've thought of the final scene. Would you mind sharing a little bit about it with us? Hmm. Beyond it's the born identity? Maybe. No. Well, we do have a <gasps> line. No. question then. No, no don't listen to him. He's nasty. No. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, there are, there are a couple projects that uh, that we're working on that we, we would like to talk about. Well, we are we are right. looking at book five and six yeah. of the Ministry Protocol, and we're about to pitch them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I mean, those books are going to get written, whether they get picked up or not. We're going to publish them. Yeah. So we we've got a vague sketch of the of those two books and where they're going to be and where they're right. going to be set. One's going to be set in India. Yes. Book five is going to be set in India, and then book six is going to be set in several locations. We know that. It's going to be around the world. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about around the world, but it, but it's definitely going to be set in several locations. Which which countries are we going to blow up? Not sure. I uh, haven't decided <laughs> yet. Need, need to throw some darts on a board. Uh, as far as the Diamond Conspiracy, what we do is we do tie up a lot of the slow-burning, loose ends. There are of, a lot of answers to yeah, a lot of things. You get a lot of answers. But in, there are in, then in, some other answers opened up, questions yeah, opened yes, up, that yes. we do not tell you the answers No, we to do not. Which, because we're evil people who want more books. Exactly. <laughs> so so, that's, so that's, that's, that's our plan for the ministry, books four, five, and six. And then right now... Oh, can we tell them one thing? What? Well, we've already... Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Bruce comes back. Yeah, I will say that. Bruce, Bruce is back. Bruce is Bruce back. Bruce is back. Bruce comes with back with his horrible Australian accent. Yeah, and yeah. his jaw like a lantern. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Bruce, Bruce does, Bruce does return in book four, uh, and we'll leave it at that. But the other project we're working on—well, I should say the other project. Well, no, we're working on it because. Pip's supposed to be getting a story to me. I'm not sure if it's happened yet, but we're. we're... I can make it happen. All right, we'll see. Uh, it's called Tales of a Tesla Ranger. It is an anthology that uh, Katie actually has has contributed to as well. Did she make and it? And yes, she did. <laughs> At work. Uh, Thanks, fortu- Katie. Fortunately, <laughs> I was alone in the break room when it happened, so thank goodness for that. But uh, but no, this is a this is our our tribute. The, the all the the writers that are involved. We uh, we we wanted to pay tribute to. One of our fallen, uh, Patrick Holyfield, P.G. Holyfield, the the guy behind Murder at Avedon Hill, and uh, one of the hosts of the Parsec nominated uh, Beyond the Wall. He's he's um, he's still with us in this uh, in this anthology, and and it's uh, it's got some stories from him. It's got some stories from him. It's got stories about of, him. About him. Uh, Poem about him. Got got some poetry. It's a it's a it's a, a real eclectic mix that, in some way, shape, or form pays homage to uh pg and <clears throat> so that's coming out well december 1st december 1st we uh the, it's currently available for uh for, pre-order uh, pre-order so and and every cent every cent goes to uh his kids it's a it, it's for, goes it's directly for, to the trust goes directly to the trust for his kids uh so all the stories that you that you see in tales of a tesla ranger are written uh out of the kindness of these writers' hearts, and Starla Starla Hutchinson gave us a beautiful cover to go with it. So yeah, um, we we were we're very very fortunate to be putting this together. And then we've also got coming up. Oh, social media for writers. That's that's the current working title to become with something. Yeah, snappier. we don't know what it is actually going to be called, but <laughs> but it, but it is a book on social media strategies, best practices, best practices for writers, specifically cool. for writers, because we got tired of people. Writers of writers that would go on their that we go on their Twitter feed and just and buy my it's book, just buy my, buy my book, book, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. You go to their Facebook; it's all about the book, all about the book, all about the book, all about the book. And then you go on their Instagram, and they're showing way too much. They're just like, <laughs> "This is my life." It's like, "Whoa!" And 
we just figured that, that, that people needed a guide specifically for writers. And so did Writer's Digest. Exactly. So that's who we're doing it for. That's where we're at right now, project-wise. And a, I, we have a lot on our plate. <laughs> and I think you've actually got another uh, story coming up on Tales from the Archives as well. Yes, we have. Yes, we do. Yes, we, we have do. a cup. We're going to wrap that up. We've got uh, two more, three two, more. Two more. Oh, I'm writing one. All right, fine. Then I'm writing more. a lot of stuff. So yeah. it sounds like you'll be done this season of Tales in the Archives just in time for me to come back. That's right. That's true. We will also, we, and of course, in, 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 in the fashion of Doctor Who, we will have a Christmas special. Yes. Uh, but yeah, season three. Season season three in our in our current uh, other podcast called the Shared Desk. You can find that at shareddesk.com. It both both projects kind of took a took a hiatus because around the time of uh, PG's death, also came um, came many deadlines, and then I started a new job, and it just everything snowballed. Everything snowballed as it does, and then we we kind of we kind of fell off the rails. So we, we allowed ourselves. Back on the rails. Yeah, we're we're getting back on the rails, thank goodness, and we're we're uh, we're hopefully going to be getting back in the swing with both both uh, both podcasts. But yeah, like I said, many fires and many many fires going right now. Many fires going. Well, it's a, f- a fascinating list of projects, and I can't wait to read the rest of your work. Um, Phoenix Rising was, of course, my first introduction to you guys, and I'm so thankful because I I found new favorite steampunk people to read. So I'm well, we're thankful you picked that. it up. We're thankful you picked it up. Thank you. You know, we've seen a lot of changes in the publishing industry just in the last couple of years alone. Do you feel these changes have impacted your own work, and if so, in what ways? And how do you feel about the changes? Um, I feel very. Uh, I feel very positive about them. I do. No, I feel very positive. I'm giving him the look. I feel very positive about them. T, you feel positive about them? Of course I feel positive, darling. That's right. Please don't hurt me tonight. I I mean, it's given uh, the uh, changes in being able to print your own books, produce your own trade paperbacks. I don't uh, know why she was giving me the look because I was going to agree with her. I'm just thinking about the impact. It was a preemptive. It was a preemptive (laughs) look. Um, It's the thing married men do. We just agree. Yes, yeah, 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 I love that. Um, yeah, so I think T and I would classify ourselves as hybrid authors. Yeah. So we enjoy still working with New York and, and getting their help producing good books. And then, and then on top of all that, you know, we, we get we, we get a deeper appreciation of what is being done on New York's level because what we're doing one book at a time, New York's doing several books at a time. And it's, it's just great to, to understand. It, I think it makes you a better writer and a more well-rounded author if you understand the process of how, what, how everything getting goes. Getting a cover, getting edited, yeah. all of that mm-hmm. stuff. All that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And it also makes you much more versatile as well. Mm, uh, it does. You're having, yeah, having to do with all of these different aspects of the creative process. I think being a the uh, the time of the lone author sitting in his ivory tower writing his book and then just sort of sending it off to a publisher is, is fading completely. Honestly, uh, it's more fun. You're a guy. It is. Yeah, it is, and you feel you feel more involved. Yes, it can be trickier to manage project management, sort of wise. Right. But um, it's good to get in there and get your hands dirty. But then it's also very nice to go, here, New York. Thank you. Here. Yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'll be in my bunk. Exactly. <laughs> um, I will also say, too, one of the things that has changed is um, I, I, think, uh, I think writers are getting smarter, too. They're getting smarter about publishing their own stuff, and they realize they don't have to pay an arm and a leg uh, to, to do that. Pip and I run a small service called One Stop Writer Shop. And that has actually, that, that actually came to be based on all the technology that's going on. And, and, and what happened was, was that uh, we, we were seeing a lot of authors that were just handing money hand, hand over, over fist, fist. Oh to, 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 places like, to places like Author House and, uh, and, and Publish another, America another vanity. and other vanity houses that were just saying, oh, yeah, we'll take care of you. And they just, what they do is they take care of your money. Um, and so what we wanted to do is we wanted to come up with a network of, of, of cover artists, of editors, and layout people. And, we're, uh, and what we're doing is we're providing services for people. If they want their books done, what we do is we, we don't publish the book. We basically take care of uh, or, or we provide for, for people a network of editors and cover designers and uh, and you know everything right everything. Audio, social then, media exactly well. social media and so on and then what we do is we basically give you all the uh, we, we give the authors the tools 
We say, here's your end result. Now what you do from here is up to you. You can either do it yourself or you can take these files, follow the steps on, on, on CreateSpace, and boom, you got yourself a book. And then if they want us to go even further and we want, you know, they hire us for consultants, we're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do this for you. We'll hold your hand through the process. But keep in mind, you're still the publisher. And the only services that we, that we charge them for are the services that they want. And, and we did this mainly so that authors would be better educated and not ripped off. Yeah, because I think the the ripping off authors industry is still alive and thriving. It's still alive and thriving. It's probably thriving. the best way to make money out of writers. Absolutely, <laughs> out of absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. I agree. The myth number is. Well, it seems like it is time for myth number, which is our word or phrase for the day. Um, so today, the word is gadget, and we've talked a little bit today about uh, incorporating technology and history into steampunk. Uh, so Pip and T, what are some more tips for incorporating um, all of the wonderful steam-powered goodness into a steampunk world? From a engineering gadgety sort of point of view, I like looking at pictures of of engines and gears and gizmos and how things turn and pistons and boilers. Um, and also reading a little bit about some vague engineering ideas. Also having an engineer on tap is also nice. I, I turn to my dad for that. Thanks, sort of stuff. Use your resources, right? Thanks, That's dad. right. Use your resources. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also think when you're, when you're talking about a gadget, you want to know how it fits into the life of the person who's using it. You know, like a, a person who's operating a telegraph as a job is different from someone who's actually making something for themselves that they will use. I mean, in Victorian times, it was the time of the, of the amateur inventor. Yeah. I also think, too, uh, since I already covered the, um, the, the, the effect of technology on, on the culture, uh, I think it's also fun to uh, look at your favorite gadget in, in, your, in your current day, you know, like a, like a smartphone or, or, or a tablet or a laptop, and then say, all right, if this truly was a steampunk gadget, what what would I be looking for? And how would and, it work? How would it work? Things like that. Like for example, Wellington's analytical engine uh, down in the archives. Say, yeah. yeah, that was. I mean, if it's going to be steam powered, and and it turns out that that analytical engines were a thing. Or in the in the original, it was it was. Oh man, they couldn't get enough money for it. Yeah, um, but but it, but um, in the original. Uh, uh, in, the, in the original draft, it was just a difference engine, and then Pip came across a, an article in well, the eleventh hour. About, well, that's the lovely thing about researching history. You're like, okay, Babbage had this engine, but he really wanted to make an analytical engine. He yeah. wasn't able to get enough funding to actually make it. So, the wonderful thing is, you can go, well, what if he had got funding? And that was, and of course, that ticked off our our editors because we were we, we went back and, we changed, went back everything. and changed everything to analytical. But then we were like, okay, well, if this is such a huge, powerful engine. What could power it? What would give enough steam and enough water pressure to do that? And, of course, we came up with the Thames. So then we went portable in Dawn's Early Light. And what Wellington had to do was instead of checking his battery level, I had him looking at these little mini boilers on the back of his, on the back of his, uh, his, his, his uh, analytical engine's screen. And he noticed that just after 10, 15 minutes, three of the five boilers were empty. And that was, and it's it's coming up with things like, okay, I look at my battery level whenever I'm working with my laptop. So if this were steampunk, what would I be looking at? So taking your favorite tech and then really bringing it back to 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 the Victorian era and that flair and that 19th century look, um, you know, and that's the other thing too. Always consider the style. You know, are, are, is it going to be flamboyant? Is it going to be practical? Is it going to be a little bit of both? Is it going to go clickety-clack? Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> it's my favorite noise. <laughs> and, and, and if you want to get the idea of the, the, the aesthetics, look at, look at period pieces of the day, not necessarily for steampunk elements, but just for the aesthetics. Uh, a, a, great, a great example is a, is a film called The Great Train Robbery with uh, Sean Connery and Donald, Ple uh, Donald Sutherland. And Leslie Ann, Leslie, ah, Leslie Ann Down. Um, it was just, just, a, just a terrific movie, terrific movie, and it's just beautiful to look at. So yeah, that that that's uh, that's I think is the other the other uh, the other challenges or the other tips I would give on um, on working with technology in in a steampunk setting. And if I may jump in with a bonus tip, um, you can find a lot of articles and pictures at the Ministry of Peculiar Currents Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like to keep that full of interesting stuff. Yes, we do. I like it. I sometimes borrow links from it, crediting you, of course, uh, Black Creek stuff. There's a lot of interplay between the ministry and Black Creek. <laughs> it's interesting because um, the technology that the Victorians and, that, and the Edwardians came up with was not only had the, the function, but it also had enormous form. They were very... very particular about the way the, this technology looked, and that carried over into everything they did. And so now, taking a left-hand turn into something completely different, I know that you guys host some dinner parties. If you yes. could have one with any seven people, living or dead, or fictional, which I really like fictional, who would you include? Well, I mean... Do you want your own seven, or do you want... Uh, do well, you I want already have a, I have a seven. You can disagree with them, okay? All right. All right. Okay. I, of course, being steampunk, we've got to have Nikolai Tesla. Of course, none of us could wear pearls because that would freak him out. We, we couldn't eat pigeon uh, because he probably would cry. Um, but he would be an interesting chap, and he was known for being quite amusing at dinner parties. Yes, quite amusing. Quite amusing. Of course, I would also put uh, Kate Shepard there because she's just a great Kiwi chick that, uh, that we all aspire to be to. You know, and I, once you've been on the $10 bill. You know, that, that's, that's an important achievement. That's great. Um, Ada Lovelace, or Lovelace, who was Byron's daughter, which, I mean, that immediately makes you an interesting person. But then she's credited with being the first computer programmer. Yes, women worked with computers right from the beginning. Now, you might disagree with this one, T. But if you want to have an interesting party, you've got to have a little, a little moppet, a little, a little fun person. So I'm going to put Huckleberry Finn on there because I always found him interesting and I'm sure he would probably annoy Nikolai Tesla a lot. Yes, he would. Could be funny. Yeah. Yes, could be yes, funny. Now, I don't know whether this would be the Tom Cruise version, but I would have the vampire list start as well. Hmm. And I probably would seat him not next to Nikolai Tesla because, you know, they, I think they would probably clash. Yeah. Now, th this one I put on for you, T. What do you, do you not Stonewall Jackson? Yes! <laughs> I want to know about, I want to talk to him about why the heck he was standing up all the time getting shot at. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. And I'm going to put this one here because I like him. Wellington Brooks. Wellington. I'd bring Wellington along. Would you want to, do you want to disagree or pull out any of those people? Um, or Tesla, Tesla, I'm, I'm, um, Tesla, I'm good with. That's something good with because he because because he, he he could turn on the charm when he wanted to. Yes, uh, <laughs> of course, but all the ladies would be fawning on him. But you know, that's true. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, speaking of speaking of, uh, of of the of the ladies, um, <laughs> I you know any, I've only got two ladies. I know, there. which is why I'm gonna throw I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw into my seven along with Tesla. Um, actress Ming Na Wen. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. yeah. Agent May. But the thing is, I just I've really I. I she, she she gets a good, a good vibe, vibe on, on Facebook, Facebook and and on, and on, uh, on 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 Instagram and I, I, I she's, she's also been in uh, two other favorite shows of mine Stargate Universe and she was also in Eureka. Would you put her next to Tesla though? No, I put her next to me. Next to Tesla, I would put Miriam Black. Oh, oh, Chuck Wendig. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, those two. Really? I know. I know. Oh. I just, I just watch those two go. Just watch those two go, and I, I would say to yeah, Miriam. I think would be confused by her. Miriam would probably come up to me and go, "Look, I'm, I'm really, really nervous about brushing up against him." And I go, "Yeah, I know, Miriam. That's why if you look at where you're sitting, there's a pearl bracelet. Just put that on, and he'll be fine." Away from you. Yeah, and so, so, so you got so, so definitely Miriam Black because she was a fascinating character to read. Absolutely fascinating. Um, Wow, um, and then of course, you know, I, I would I would want Wellington and Eliza. They're, they're just they're just good they're just good people. They're just really good people that I that I that we kind of love. Yeah, and and then of course the aforementioned Henry Rollins. Oh, you can take because I, I would want to have Henry Rollins here just because the amount of passion that he has in that show, Ten Things About Ten Things You Didn't Know About, it's really infectious. He'd be really like him with Tesla. He did a whole show on 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 Ten Things You Didn't Know About Tesla and Edison. Oh, we don't we're not inviting. We're not inviting Edison. He's he's no, absolutely not. Hey, it's not a party until something gets broken. That's true. That's true. So that leaves one more one more interesting character that I want to um. I'd want, I'd want to, I'd want to bring, bring to this party. Um, Henry the Eighth, come on! No, I'm going to bring. What about I'm Shakespeare? Gonna, I'm going to, no, I'm going to be greedy. 
I miss Patrick. I'd want to bring PG Holyfield back for back for dinner, and he would he would be on the, he would be on the other side of the Ming Na Wen. Oh, well, then so, he would be so, very happy. I, and I know that. I know that would make him happy. That's very kind of you to share like he that. He would just he would just be there with a bottle bottle of Tawaka, looking at her like. You ever try? <laughs> yeah, and so, and, and so, and so, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be. My heart hurts. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring, bring it down, but I'm just like, living or dead? Well, guess what? It still hurts as us. So, yeah, I, I, that, that, that would be my dinner party. Those are both great lists. Absolutely fabulous lists. What question do you guys never get asked in interviews? And I know you've done tons of them. That you wish somebody would finally ask you, and what would your answer be? <laughs> we have been asked a lot of questions. Have I have, I have been. Uh, I get asked. Uh, I think. I think the one, the one question that I, that, that no one seems to ask, and we have to, we have to constantly bring it up, is the connection. No one rarely asks us, asks us about the connection between the tales from the archives and the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, and. The, uh, and and I, I, I make no bones about it. We're actually taking a we're actually taking a page, and it wasn't intentional at first, but I think now we're doing it on purpose because we're taking a page from the strategy of Marvel. The fact that everything you see from the Marvel universe, Agents of Shield and, and Thor and and all these films, they're all connected. They're all connected. And when you go back and you watch the earlier, when you watch Iron Man, you watch Thor, you watch Incredible Hulk, you're like, wow. They really were thinking this through, and and that was kind of not how we started. But I feel like now that's what we're doing, and and I, I wish more people would ask us about about how we you know, how they all connect how, how they all connect together, and the role playing game as well, all that stuff. Actually, that's an interesting question because no one's noticed the one thing about my books is that they're all in the same universe. <laughs> you've, you've, not, you've never noticed, noticed that, have you either, T? I never noticed the Geist. There was, well, there was there a connection between Geist, Geist and, and the Shattered World and Weather Child. And yes, Weather Child? There really? is. There is an interconnection. Really? Yes. And Chasing the Bard. Yes. Really? I made it that way. No one ever noticed. Well, in Chasing the Bard, remember that they go into the between? And there's, yeah. and there's the Unmaker and there's various yeah. worlds yeah. that you can get to. And some, and some of the, the worlds, worlds are like the Geist world. Well, the, this is your problem, New Zealand. <laughs> you, you, with the exception of running. Basically done your own dark tower. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't own, I didn't want to do my MFA anyway. That's fine. I can just sit and reread all your books again. Uh, see, not calling shenanigans. Because with the exception, no, 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 with the exception of rugby, you guys are so passive aggressive. You don't put it out there so that you don't make it obvious for us to follow it. Well, but when, except for when it comes to rugby. Ask an American Eagles. With the rugby, you made it very plain. This is what we do. Well, I just, I kind of put it in there, and no one's even noticed that um, they all have a between uh, another world. I mean, the where the the seraphim come from is another world that's connected. No. Does so yeah, now I've revealed that they're all going to actually. So, so now I'm looking for a between in the ministry. That's what uh, they get. Or your solo novel. Well, you might have to wait until. It's what they gave for the book for that. But yeah. no, there is no connection because she never mentioned doing this. <laughs> it's just my world. I don't want to share a world with you. Yeah, well, no, our world, our world has you enough don't... connections. We don't need to complicate it any further. <laughs> All right, and on that note, uh, everyone has their own myths, uh, things that people think about us, some of them true, some of them not, uh, a myth behavior, if you will. Um, so what is a myth behavior about you two that people think is true, but is absolutely not? I keep getting accused of being able to control the weather. Like, <laughs> like Well, you can. <laughs> yeah. No, I... <laughs> What I can control is which TV shows get cancelled in the fall. Because apparently as soon as I like any show, it immediately gets cancelled. This is why she hates the show Constantine. She loathes it. it. She only watches it because I force her to watch it. <laughs> so if you've got a- Don't cancel Constantine. We love that freaking show. <laughs> but seriously, if you've got a list of TV shows that you really want to get, you know, just horrible, disgusting shows that you want off the air... I will go on Facebook and t- say how much I love them, and the very next day they will get cancelled. That's how it works. Is that what She's, happened to Longmire? No, that's what happened to uh, Almost Human. No, I did like Longmire. And you liked Longmire, and that, that got the axe. So you're three for three. 
You're three for three. I killed Selfie. You killed Selfie. Uh, oh, I killed Almost Human. You killed Almost Human? I did mention Almost Human, yeah. Um, Wiping a tear at this point. No. Sleepy Hollow's hanging in there. Oh, yeah. Like a hot bod. She hates Sleepy Hollow. I hate Sleepy Hollow. I just like a hot bod. I don't like the show. Um, Let's see. I... I get, I get, uh, I get accused of uh, commandeering panels. I get accused. Of, I get accused of commandeering panels and not letting other people speak. And uh, my my thing is that, is that well, you know, I have uh, I've been on panels where it's been commandeered by uh, by certain by certain individuals. Actually, like grabbing the mic. Actually, like grabbing the mic and. The only way that anyone else could get in there is uh, by grabbing the mic. Grabbing the mic, and I, I did. I did so. Uh, I've been accused. Yeah, so I've been accused of doing that, and yet. Um, oh, and 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 what what I will say is this: in my first year uh, in writing, I, t- I think I was because I was nervous. I was. I tend. I tended to become keep talking. Yeah, and I and I I came on pretty strong. And then I actually had a sit-down with a guy who I really respected the way he moderates a panel. And he basically talked me through what his methodology was, and that guy's name was Carl Sipra. He's a, he's a fan here in the, in the D.C., Maryland area. And I, I respect his, his approach to, to moderation of, of a panel so much that it sometimes ticks off other authors. And, uh, and, but, but I feel like that's what you do when you moderate a panel. But as far as commandeering a panel... I try desperately not to, but if nobody has anything else to say, and I do, I will speak up. Okay. Oh, where did you go? Sorry, I I heard a scratching at the door, and I don't know if it's the girls. You let me in, and I had to take a minute to go find out. Is that how an Edgar Allan Poe thing begins? There was a scratching. There's a scratching at the door. <laughs> That's usually a cat in our house. I have a kitten now, but I'll save that for after. Ooh. Okay. Well, to get back from the door, what misbehavior do people believe about you that is true? Uh, well, that I am actually from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I've had people say, is that like a thing that you're doing? <laughs> like, I thought I'd try it, you know. Yeah, I just thought I'd try it, like an accent, but no, I'm not from Nebraska. <laughs> I do, I do play for laughs. I do say, yuck it up. I do. I do, I do tend, tend to yuck it up. Uh, I will. I will. Um, you know, if you give me if you give me something to rant about, I'll. I'll and you wind me up and let me go. I'll rant. Uh, if you uh, that that is and and a lot of times my rants tend to be, um, they 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 tend to be uh, mainly for the laughs with just a little bit of truth in there. Uh, it's kind of like the way I, I, I because I worship at the feet of Chuck. Uh, Chuck Wendig's rants. I respect because that's the way I rant. And so I, I dig that. I dig that. You know what? This has been such a fabulous time having the two of you on. And I hate to say it, but we're coming to the end of our show. Pippin T, thanks so much for being our guests. We appreciate you giving us a behind-the-scenes look at Phoenix Rising and the Diamond Conspiracy and all of your other work. So I greatly appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been our pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so good to talk to you guys again. Um, I will be down in February, I promise. Yay! I'm watching flights already. <laughs> I I may bring my co-conspirator, I don't know. Um, thank oh, you again so much. All right, all right. Uh, not that one, the other one. Oh, sister. the other one. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad that this worked out. Um, I'm now going to reanalyze all of Pip's books. <laughs> Although it occurs to me, your old website, it was the world's... A Philippa Valentine. Yeah. Eh. Um, and also, uh, thanks actually for mentioning the anthology coming out, um, because that is really important. And you were right, Starla did a gorgeous cover. Um, so yeah, feel thank free you. To put it in the show notes. Yeah, feel free to put it in your show notes. Oh, we will. We will. Remember, you can go out to mythbehaving.com for more information, or actually links to Pimp and T's 112 different podcasts, books, biographies, everything else, all their various and sundry social media platforms can all you can all start the, from there to get to where they are. And don't forget that you can download this episode on iTunes or listen right on the mythbehaving.com website. And if you would, uh, please take a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to us right on iTunes. 
Thanks for tuning in to Misbehaving, and we'll see you next time. I'm Katie. I'm Paul. Where's the bell? I keep hearing the bell. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Mare, and we are definitely misbehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon. This episode is copyright 2014 by Mythbehaving Productions in association with Wireless Adventures and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.